0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. A month out from the voice referendum, the Yes campaign is struggling, according to the polls. Across the board, the polls show a big lead for no advocates, with many in the media already all but calling the outcome of the vote. But beneath the headline numbers, there's a glimmer of hope for Yes. The number of undecided voters not fully locked in to either side is currently in the millions, and both campaigns are doing all they can to win them over. Today, national correspondent for The Saturday Paper, Mike Zekom, on what we know about the undecided bloc and what the polls really mean. It's Tuesday, September 19. Mike, a lot of people are hearing about polling for the voice referendum, and you've been looking into how accurate the polls really are. So, can we trust the polls?
1: Well, um, yes, by and large, we can. Um, You know, there seems to be a lot of distrust about polling around um, these days, and... I guess that's been fueled by the idea that the polls missed a number of big things. You know, they missed the Trump election or they missed Brexit or here they missed the 2019 election result. In relation to that one, I would say even Scott Morrison thought that was a, quote, miracle, unquote. But in in general, they usually get things right. And when they don't, usually there's there's an explanation. You know, during Brexit, for example, the polling trend was actually showing that Brexit was likely to win, but the media just (laughs) couldn't believe it. So they weren't reporting it that way. In the case of Trump, He actually lost the popular vote by almost three million votes, but he won because he got votes right in the right small states. So, you know, that was very hard to predict. Furthermore, since those things happened, um, you know, polling is is only improving all the time. And I've been speaking to a lot of pollsters this week, uh, you know, digging through their methodologies. And I think it has to be said that, you know, good as the polls tend to be in this particular case, there are wide variations in the results they're getting. And the reason for that is that this particular event, it's its a very different event to most political polling. You know, um, it's a referendum. And, and that really shakes up the way we should be reading these numbers, because there are still unpredictable ways in which those numbers could move before polling day.
0: Right, and so with that in mind that the polls are likely a pretty good insight into what people are currently thinking about The Voice, how should we be reading these polls? Are they really clear-cut or is it a lot more complicated than that?
1: It is a lot more complicated than that. The first thing to say about the complication is that unlike in a general election um, where you just have to win the most votes, here you not only have to win the most votes, you have to win a majority of the states as well there's a double hurdle for them to jump. Obviously, the, the headline finding of the polls at the moment is that the Yes campaign is losing ground.
0: Voice to Parliament is headed for defeat in every state and territory. The poll shows only 39% of voters nationally say they will vote yes, while 61% are intending to
1: vote no. Now,
0: nationally, to- Yes is sitting on about
1: 45.3%, according to the polls. So that is... The average level for support across the polls is sitting at a bit over 43% for yes, 57 for no. The most concerning thing for yes, I think, is the trend. I mean, the, the trend is, is down and shows no signs of, of ceasing its downward momentum. Shortly after, Anthony Albanese was elected Prime Minister and he said that The Voice would be, you know, his number one priority. And then he quickly announced a draft of the change that was being proposed at the Gama Festival last year.
0: Do you support an alteration to the Constitution that establishes an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. At that
1: time, support was 65 per cent. Then Peter Dutton, the opposition leader, announced the Liberal Party would oppose the voice and that was in in April this year. But there was a resounding no to the Prime Minister's Canberra voice. It should be very clear to Australians by now that the Prime Minister is dividing our country. By that stage, support for yes was at 58 per cent, so it was still in front. Then the bill that facilitated the referendum passed the parliament in May. By that stage, support was down to 53%. By the time the pamphlets were going out to households in July this year, yes was behind. Support was down to 48%. So there's a clear trend there, and as much as it it pains me personally because I think the referendum's a good idea, the trend is yet to turn around. In fact, it has been accelerating. And the, the other thing to look at is what the different polls are saying. The way it's being interpreted, I think, is people look at, at the sort of aggregated yes-no figures and, and a lot of people in the media have basically called the referendum as lost already. But there is not, as far as I can see, a robust consensus. While the polls are saying that yes is behind, the thing that makes this particular vote difficult to predict is that there, there's a much greater number than usual of, of what are called soft voters, that is people who lean one way or the other, but haven't firmly made up their mind, or people who have not even got a clue at this stage as to how they might vote. and And there are not that many of them at, at a regular election, but there's an awful lot of them about in relation to this referendum.
0: Yeah, and why is that for a vote that you know it is a, a yes or a no answer, why is there so much uncertainty?
1: Well, well, because it's a totally new concept to a lot of voters, you know, as I mentioned, some people haven't even thought about this. In an election, of course, Voters are dealing with with well-established political parties, right? Are they Labor people? Are they coalition people? Are they Greens? If they are, they likely have been for a very long time. And it's the same question at every election, you know, which party do you prefer? So, you know, the political lines of yes and no are actually quite unclear. They don't necessarily follow party lines. And there's different estimates around exactly how many soft voters there are. It could be 30% or more, or about 5 million voters. That's what the ALP National Secretary, Paul Erickson, said in his briefing to the government party room last week. He was there citing non-public polls done by the the Yes campaign, Yes 23, and by Labor itself. So that's that's a big, big lot of undecideds. Other polls, there was one from Redbridge last week, which estimates that it's even more than that. According to Redbridge, there's about 37% of voters who are not rusted on yes or no at this point. You know, in other words, they're, they're still in play. And, of course, that number is plenty big enough that it could change the outcome of the referendum, regardless of what the polls are saying at the moment. And so, right now, there are focus groups happening all across the country trying to figure out how those soft voters are going to break and how they might be better persuaded.
0: So, what's most likely to convince a soft voter to switch sides or make up their mind? That's coming up after the break.
1: The Saturday Papers food editors are some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Let them guide your cooking when you sign up to Schwartz Media's free weekly newsletter. The Food. It features the latest recipe from The Saturday Paper, along with a selection of seasonal dishes suitable for all cooks. Subscribe today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week simply visit saturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer.
0: So, Mike, it seems like soft voters are now very critical to this campaign for both sides. What do we know about what soft voters are thinking about and how their views will be swayed one way or another?
1: Well, um, th- that, of course, is the purpose of focus groups. I mean, they they, they call them qualitative rather than quantitative polling. They don't just ask you how you're going to vote. They engage in discussion about why. And I spoke to Rebecca Huntley, our Director of Research at 89 Degrees East, and she's been holding these 90-minute focus group sessions and she's also been advising the Yes campaign. But um, her job obviously isn't to be partisan in those things. It's, it's to glean information about how people are thinking. And the one thing that stands out, she says, from her focus group work is that most people actually accept that there's a real problem of Indigenous disadvantage in this country that should be addressed. And, and she says that's quite different, for example, from the last referendum we had as to whether we should be a republic, because in that case, a lot of people didn't think there was a problem, right? So they, they voted no. No problem. We, we'll vote no. Here, people accept there is a problem to be addressed. Um, and she says when the facts of the voice proposal, you know, what it is about and what it isn't about are explained to people... She says those who are genuinely uncommitted are apt to gravitate to the yes side. But her experience also suggests that there's a difference between those who identify as soft yes and soft no voters. Soft yes, she says, are exactly that. They're they're leaning yes, and they're eminently persuadable in that direction. In a lot of cases, she says, people who claim to be a soft no's are actually hard no's. You know, that, that those people want to be seen as being persuadable, but they really aren't. And the reason is that they're terrified of being described as racist. That's the way she put it. And as a result, that's distorting to some extent the outcomes pollsters get when they ask people where they sit. So, you know, Huntley freely acknowledges the S campaign faces a tough uphill battle, but she still doesn't concede that it has lost.
0: And polling has become something we all look at as a kind of sport, but it's obviously most useful for campaigners, right? Because they can look at who they're not reaching. And the campaigns of each side are going after those soft voters. How are they going about persuading them?
1: Well, you're exactly right. These focus groups are a useful tool for working out your messaging. And it's quite interesting to see how different the two campaigns are in terms of the messaging they put out there. I spoke with Andrea Carson, who's a professor of political communication at La Trobe University, and she's been uh, working on this and, and um, looking at the media... Uh, reporting it, the social media interactions, all that sort of stuff. And she notes that that the Yes Camp has been very scattergun in its message. Her analysis found there were 33, she reckoned, different Yes messages running in the paid media. The No campaign, on the other hand, had about six key messages. And, and even more than that, it had two that it had on really high rotation. And those two messages that the No Camp is really hitting hard are the lines that the voice is divisive and that that not all Indigenous people, in fact, want this. And, of course, on that key message that that the voice is divisive, it is actually in the the interest of the no-case to make it divisive. I guess that's the point here. As to the other one, that Indigenous people don't support the voice, well, of course, not all Indigenous people support the voice. You know, there are minority groups in every community. But the polling seems to indicate that it's maybe 20% maybe a little bit more, but we have a number of very high-profile people on the no side. Warren Mundine and Jacinta Price on the conservative side, and of course Lydia Thorpe, the former Green, now independent on the left, who says the voice doesn't go far enough. So that tends to give the impression, I think, that there's a greater opposition among Indigenous people themselves than there is. And and I think, to some extent, There's kind of a false equivalence that happens in the media that accentuates this, because every time they have a yes Indigenous person on to talk about it, they feel obliged to have a no one, even though no doesn't represent anywhere near as many people. So um, the no camp is banking, I think, on the fact that the more people engage with the the, um, anger and the division and the more they listen to the negative voices from black Australians, the more likely they are to jump into the no camp. As for the genuinely undecided who tend to be low-information voters, well, they're likely to vote against what they don't understand, according to Cos Samaras from from Redbridge. The way he put it, he said, the problem is that as these people tune in, they will jump straight on the no-pile.
0: And, Mike, finally, I think people can feel quite angry about the polls because it can feel really disempowering, as if the outcome of the vote is already decided ahead of time. Do you think polls do actually have a negative impact on the way we as a country engage in these questions?
1: Well, I, I, I do. I, I certainly think there's a negative impact that comes not so much from the polling data itself as from the horse race way they're reported in the media. And and let's face it, some of the media are quite partisan. The the other thing is there's also kind of a bandwagon effect that you see um, where some voters who, who don't have a well-informed opinion of their own are apt to just you know, look and see what they perceive to be the majority opinion and then go with that, which, um, which doesn't augur well, I have to say, for yes. So, yes, I, I think there is a bit of a problem here that people see the polls as a foregone conclusion and it, it becomes kind of self-fulfilling, if you want. Um, the truth here is that the polls are accurate in as far as they go, but they're having a lot of trouble measuring that undecided cohort. But I think more broadly... What is reflected here is that, that these polls also tell us something about society and where it's at at the moment. And unfortunately, as as a number of pollsters told me, it's very hard to sell a positive message at a time when people generally aren't feeling very positive. And obviously, at the moment, Australians aren't feeling all that positive, given the state of the economy, given growing inequality. They're, they're a bit inward-focused on their own woes and less likely to be, I would suggest, feeling sympathetic to those who are, you know, let's face it, the most disadvantaged in the country so you know uh, about a month from now they'll they'll face a, a black and white question yes or no but as we've said the vote will be decided in the grey it's looking bad for yes but it's not over yet
0: mike thanks so much for your time
1: thank you Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen.
0: Also in the news today, Scott Morrison has announced he's releasing a memoir that will seek to answer a series of questions such as Who Am I? and How Should I Live?, The book will be released by Thomas Nelson, a division of HarperCollins Christian Publishing, with the press release saying it will be less of a political memoir and more about encouraging others to discover how they can access and see the many blessings of God. And the Matildas have been given a stadium upgrade for their Olympic qualifying match against the Philippines next month in Perth. The Matildas were due to play at HBF Park with a capacity of about 20,000 spectators. Organisers have now moved the game to nearby Optus Stadium with triple the capacity due to the high demand from fans. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.